We started a fast about 14 days ago, and we have one more week left. So I have a question for you. Are you hungry yet? And I can hear a lot of yeses. I don't know what you're fasting. I know some are fasting everything. There are some that are on total fast, and whatever, some are on Daniel fast. But my question is, are you hungry yet? And my next question is, if you're hungry, what are you craving? Because every time I fast, I crave something. It's just more salt, more, you know, sweet, more something. There's always something that I want. And I've gone on many long fasts, and it's like that burger or something at the end is like my own the prize. And I think about it. I crave it because fasting is designed to make you crave. That's the purpose if you don't crave, you're probably not really fasting. You might be dieting. If you don't, if you're not hungry or you don't feel something empty in you, maybe you haven't chosen the right thing to fast because it should create a vacuum in you. It should create an emptiness in you. And it, and it should create some kind of craving or something that you're really missing that you're wanting. That's what fasting does. And then if you are fasting food, for those of you that have been on a food fast, you know, for the, the first three days are the hardest. The third day is like, like absolutely excruciating. You can't hardly bear it. But if you, can, if you can go past that third day, around the fifth day, you start losing your, your appetite for food. And you start getting this appetite for God. And um, I've, I went on a 21-day fast one time, and, and it was a total fast. And I remember that I was well into this fast, and I thought, my goodness, I feel like I can do this forever because I, I didn't want any food anymore, but I was so hungry for God. I wanted his presence more than any other time in my life. I just wanted his presence more and more and more. And that's what happens on a total fast where you actually start losing your appetite for the things you used to want and you start wanting something that you've never had. And that's what fasting does. Well, the, the idea behind fasting is to make you crave, to make you hungry. So I want to ask you one more question. Are you hungry for more? I want to see the hand, and be careful, this is a trick question. I want you to raise your hand if you're totally satisfied in God and you don't need anything else. No hands. That's what I was hoping for. Just one hand. Okay, we'll take one hand. But that means, you know, you're in a good place right now, so we'll give you that. How many of you are hungry for more of God? How many of you want to see God do something in your lifetime you have never seen before? How many of you want to get in a kind of service that can't be written down in a journal or explained because you had to be there to even get it because there are no words to explain that kind of move of God? How many of you want to see God wreck people's lives so bad that even the devil has to say, I never saw that coming? How many of you want to see God turn somebody's life around so fast that everybody on their job and everybody in their family starts asking, what happened to you? You are a different, it's like you were born again. You are a completely different person than the person that I used to know. Those are the moments, those God moments where we have not just highs. It's bigger than a high. It is a God moment in our life where God comes in and wrecks us and changes us and ruins us. 
How many of you have been so stained with God for the rest of your life, you are still living in a moment? You know what I'm talking about. So ruined by God's presence that you still think about it. You still go back to it. You still long for more. I've never done drugs in my life, but I've been told by people that do drugs that it's a trick because you get this high the first time you do them, and then you're chasing that high the rest of your life because you never get that back, and it's like a dead-end street. Now, I don't know that firsthand. I've never smoked marijuana. I've never, I've threatened to a few times, but I never did. I'm just joking. We all get stressed out, right? No, I, I go on a hike and pray. That's a bad joke, and don't even think I meant that because I didn't. That's the bad thing about being taped. Somebody will take that one clip and say that, you know, like that's what I preached about. Um, but the truth is, I've never been high. I've never, I've never done those kinds of things before. That's not my temptation. It's not something I even want to do. I don't like the feeling of being out of control. I just don't like that feeling at all. And uh, for me, I want to get high on production. I want to get high because I did something. I want to celebrate what I did at the end. That would be a high for me. But I've heard that when you get high, that you chase that for the rest of your life. And I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you in the spirit, I know what that's like. I've been in places with God, moments with God that ruined me so much that I never wanted to be any other place. And it was like a standard that I had to reach. It was like a watermark, a high watermark. And every other service was like, can we go back there? Can we just get there? Can we press in a little deeper? Can we dig out another word? Is there, what can I do to get back in that moment? Because it fed me unlike any other moment of my life. It quenched a thirst in me unlike any of the fountain I've ever drank from. And there are times in our life that we get in those God moments. And that is why I want to tell you, when God steps in, press in. Push into those moments. Whatever you have to do, if you have to, even if you feel a little ridiculous in the process, whatever you have to do, don't waste those moments with God. Because there are going to be days in your life that you're going to long for them and wish that you had them back. Have you ever stood in front of the refrigerator before and you were hungry and you just couldn't figure out what you wanted? I mean, I've done that a few times. It's like, I really want something, but I don't know what it is. And you, you go to the fridge or the pantry and you just stand there and you get a little bit of this, you get a little bit of that, and you get full and you're not satisfied. You may know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, why did I eat all this stuff? That's not what I needed. That's not what I wanted. And, and so we go away a little toxic because we ate all the wrong things and our body's still craving the right thing. And that's what hunger looks like, especially if you're expecting a baby. If you're expecting a baby, I promise you, you're craving something. But do you know in the spirit, it looks the same way. If you're birthing something, you're always craving something. If you are birthing something in your spirit, you are craving a move of God. You are craving a, a moment with God. You're craving an encounter, an interaction with God because there's something in your spirit that needs to be birthed. And the only way it can be birthed is if you feel the craving that is driving you into God's presence. So there has to be a drive in us. There has to be, there has to be a longing. And when you start hungering for God, sometimes ridiculous things happen to you. Last summer, the Lord had me on a journey that is not over, by the way, but the Lord had me on a journey of digging out wells of revival. And so I was reading 
all the books on Azusa Street I could read. I was, I was, I was doing audio books and I was reading books. I think I read probably six books. And, and in the reading of all this, the Lord was driving me. There were some days that I would go into the office and I would just tell everybody, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not available today. I, I turned off my phone. My wife was the only one that knew where I was at. And I did some of the strangest things last summer that I've never done. The Lord would say, go to this grave and there's a prophet buried here and stretch out over this grave like the man who fell on the bones of Elisha. And I know that is really weird to talk about, but I went to those graves and I laid down in a cemetery. I was afraid I'd end up in the paper the next day, but I did it. I laid over graves. I did this. I did this just a few months ago and I laid over a grave and I said, Lord, if there's any anointing left in these bones, I pray that it will be imparted to my spirit because whatever this person had, I need it now. Whatever miracles were in their lives, I need it now. Whatever they saw in their spirit, it's dead in this grave, but make it alive in me. Awaken my eyes, awaken my ears, awaken my soul, awaken my heart to feel things I've never been capable of feeling before. And, and I did strange things. I went on hikes and I built altars in weird places. And, and there's times that I would just go down and walk on this farm behind there and people would come by and wave at me and they think, what are, you, what are you doing down here? It's like, I couldn't even tell them. I'd go to the prayer barn and I would walk the creek line and, and I was there, there were days that I was just in a stupor. I even told my wife one day, she said, what are you doing? I said, I gotta go do this. And I, I'd get in my car and I'd take long drives and go to places where I, I just had to, I just had to push into the presence of God and be alone with God. And I'm telling you that to tell you that's what being pulled into a God moment feels like. There's a hunger. There's a longing. There is a craving that is birthed in your spirit that brings you into places like that. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So, so when I ask you this, I ask you a question in the, in the natural, what are you hungry for? But now I ask you a question in the spiritual, what are you hungry for? Because the Bible says that there's blessings in hunger. There's dissatisfaction is a gift. Whether you realize it or not, it is satisfaction that blinds us. It is satisfaction that robs us from revival. It is satisfaction that robs us from altar calls that can literally change lives and dig it into sermons that can, it's satisfaction but when we are dissatisfied it makes us go looking for things we didn't know we needed to look for it makes us get out spiritual shovels and dig in the coal trying to look for the gold when you when you when you're hungry for something it makes you read books and listen to sermons and and I remember I was driving to Kentucky I was speaking in Kentucky all last weekend up in Lexington and I decided to drive there and all I wanted to do 
do is hear preaching because most of the preaching I hear, I'm doing it. And it's like it's different when you're on that end than when you're on this end. And I just wanted somebody to preach to me. And so I just listened to preaching all the way there. And a couple of times I thought I was going to have to pull over the road and shout. I was in amen corner all by myself in my SUV driving up, driving up the road to Kentucky. I was going, yes, preach it, brother. I mean, that's just how I do it. You know, when somebody's preaching, if I'm sitting there, I'm standing up half the time. That's just me. That's just my personality. And I love the word of God. I love to hear it. I love to receive it. I love to digest it. I love to apply it. I love to grow in it. And some of those guys were just absolutely preaching me happy, men and women that I was listening to. But you know, when the Bible talks about hunger and thirst, there is something particular that there's a blessing if you hunger and thirst for it. In Matthew chapter five and six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after, anybody want to finish that for me? Righteousness. Yeah, I think we got a cheat sheet behind me, don't we? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be. What's the promise? They shall be filled if, you, if you're hungry and thirsty. Do you realize that this is, there are eight keys to be a, to a blessed life that are listed there in Matthew 5. This is key number four. If you, you will be blessed, a blessed life if you hunger and thirst after righteousness. But what does that mean? What, what does righteousness feel like? Well, I could give you a theological term that would make you nod off and go to sleep real fast if you wanted me to break it down theologically for you. But in a, in a, in a simple terms, righteousness literally just means two things. It is, a, it is being in a right relationship with God that causes you to live a right lifestyle. That's what it means. Righteousness means I'm in a right relationship with God. See, the Bible says that in Psalm 23, he leads me in paths of righteousness. In, in, in Hebrews 11, it says that God rewards righteousness. He called Noah righteous. He called Moses righteous. And righteousness was not a set of rules for them. We, that's called legalism. It wasn't this set of rules that I do to qualify and everyone judges me if my hair is too long, got sin in my heart, and all those things. It's not that kind of thing. That's not how you obtain righteousness. As a matter of fact, you can't obtain righteousness on your own. It's impossible. Each one of these people lived in different eras of time, but all of them were righteous because of two things. They had a right relationship with God that caused them to live a lifestyle that pleased God. And that lifestyle was a part of their assignment, and it looks different for everybody. Your righteousness is going to look a little different from my righteousness. That's why we can't put a set of rules on the wall and point our fingers at everybody who's breaking the rule. We can't do that. That's not how you obtain holiness that's not how you obtain righteousness that is how that is how we get bound in things to where our rules are more important than our relationship and now we're really stuck in religion because religion is not a bad thing but it's only a vehicle that gets you into the right relationship with God but at some point in time you have to know him you have to love him you have to talk to him you have to know that he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother at some point in time you come into a different a unique personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then he says to me Brian Cutshaw I want you to do this and he says to Faith I want you to do this he says to Mike Marler this is what I want you to do and to Michael Roberts this is what I want you to do and Kathy Painter this is what I want you to do and the assignments are all different but my love for him and my relationship with him causes me to be righteous because now I'm living a lifestyle that is pleasing God.
The sin is basically a lifestyle that is pleasing ourselves. When you boil sin down to the smallest component, the bottom line of that is selfishness. Satan got kicked out of heaven because I will, I will, I will, I will. That's how Satan got kicked out. He wanted his own way. Adam and Eve, you know, chose their own. Even Jesus, before he went to the cross, said, not my will, but thine be done. So we have to somehow die to our own will and be in the right relationship with God. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20 says, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Uh-oh, that means the person sitting beside of you. And that means the person sitting beside of them. That means that there is not one person on the earth that can not sin in their own strength, in their own accord. So how do I crave righteousness? How do I, how do I get hungry for more of God? So I want to break down this verse for you in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, starting in verse 21. So I want you to go here with me in your Bibles, and I want to just break this down. Just a few verses here, about five verses. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, not righteousness to God, but the righteousness of God is apart from the law, is being revealed. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and to all and on all who believe. To all and on all who believe. Believe in what? Believe in Christ. For there is no difference. For we have all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Wow, how can I, how can I obtain the righteousness of God? Only one way. I gotta get to know Jesus. I have to believe in Jesus. I come into the right righteousness of Christ, he brings me into the righteousness of God. It is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ that makes me righteous in God's eyes. It's almost like God has a filter. It's almost, have, have you ever, have you ever put on re, those red glasses before and there's like hidden messages in there? I kind of see that as, as God looking at my life through the blood of Jesus. When God puts on those red glasses of the blood of Jesus and says, wow, all the sin just disappeared. All the wrong just disappeared. All the mistakes you made have just disappeared. All the, all the, all of those things that you wished, all of your regrets, all the things you wish you could go back and undo, it all just disappeared because all I see is your relationship with Jesus Christ, which makes you an heir and a joint heir. It makes you a part of the righteousness of God because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just because I sing songs in church and not just because I attend faithfully and not just because I read from my favorite version of the Bible, but because I know him, because I want to serve him, because I'm in love with him, because everything about him intrigues me and I want to press into his presence. When he walks into the room, I want to be near him because it's his presence that fills me up more than a song, more than a sermon. No Nothing can take away from the genuine presence of God that fills me up over and over and over. I like songs and I like sermons, but I like it more when he walks into the room and changes the atmosphere and I feel my DNA rearranging in my body as he regenerates me and regenes me for his glory. Hallelujah. There's nothing like his presence. 
Verse 24, being justified, justified, a good way to remember this, just as if I'd never sinned. All right, easy way to remember that. Being justified freely by his grace, freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a, as a propitiation. That means that was accepted. That's what that fancy word means. It means God accepted this, right? As, a, as something that God accepted by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Now, I don't know if you got any shout in you tonight, but there's the place right there. There's a place for a good hallelujah. He has passed over every sin that has previously been committed. That means it has been cast as far as the east is from the west. That means never to be brought up against you again. That means there is no accuser of the brethren in heaven or earth who can point their finger at you and say, I know what you did. And you can say, prove it because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. The angels have already taken it away. God has already stamped me clean and I'm walking righteous in, in the blood of Jesus in his sight. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.